Greetings, fellow zoos, and welcome to another New Moon episode of Zooier Than Thou. I'm Chief Executive Dogmongler Fausti. And I'm Vice President of Michigan. <laughs> 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 you didn't get through one fucking line. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> You're supposed to be the professional one here. I know. <laughs> Mickey Mouse motherfucker. I know. I'm vice president of Mickey Mouse motherfuckers, Toggle. <laughs> you sure are, aren't you? <laughs> Fuck you. And we'll <laughs> and we'll be your hosts. <laughs> and we'll be your hosts for this evening. So this episode <laughs> So this episode, we're gonna try something different. <laughs> Three words in <laughs> Oh, we're trying something different, all right. It's going great so far. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so, this episode, we're going to try something different. I generally insist on having a script because I like to keep things concise and impactful. Mickey Mouse motherfucker. And because I'm really bad at speaking in public without prepared material. But Fausty's more of an off-the-cuff sort of person. So we're going to experiment with a less scripted format this evening. We'll have an outline with a few notes, but otherwise we're going off-book. Uh, so if things go off the rails, just blame it on Fausty like I do. Well, that's really nothing different, but thank you. <laughs> so I guess we should start by addressing the weird website issues we've been having. Well, since it's my job to keep the website running, I'm the one who should probably address this primarily. Yeah. As folks who spend time doing such things may have noticed, last weekend our zoo.wtf website disappeared. This was not actually an exciting consequence of complicated high-end technical battles taking place behind the scenes. I mean, but what you can imagine was, it was. That would be fine. You can think about it like that because um, it's a lot sexier than the reality. And it would have been a lot more <laughs> exciting to be participating in something fun like that instead of what actually happened, which was right. just human error and the kind of thing that does happen with technology. Our hosting company in trying to issue us a refund for some poor performance the website was having due to heavier than expected traffic, accidentally deleted our entire hosting account while issuing the refund of money to us. Yeah, whoops. Whoops, indeed. They, like, they, put, the delete but, they put the delete button right next to the uh, refund button, yeah. I can actually see that happening, and, and I don't really <laughs> blame them at all for that because I've done far stupider things in my technology career, as anybody who's ever worked with me can certainly uh, <laughs> confirm. However, uh, they did not actually then just come to us and tell us that this had happened. Instead, uh, our monitoring service quickly noticed that our website was throwing 404s for every request. And I got back in touch late Saturday night with tech support. They ran us in circles for a half an hour, uh, acting as if this was all a complete surprise to them. <laughs> well, wow, 404s, I, I have no idea what could possibly be wrong. Uh, yes. Give us a few minutes to check into this and, and we'll do an in-depth technical analysis to see what happened. Uh, meanwhile, they, had, they knew they pushed the delete button. I mean, right. the whole time it was, uh, it, was, it was a pretty straightforward mistake, and, and and it happens. It's not a big deal. The half an hour of, of pretending like they didn't understand what was happening until somebody finally came clean and said, okay, look, dude, here's what really happened. I was <laughs> I, uh, processing your refund, and I accidentally deleted your account, and I'm really sorry about it. So then they continue. Fortunately, you'll have backups available, and we can just immediately uh, reload the site from your backups because you're a technology person, and you certainly understand the right. importance of maintaining current backups. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <clears throat> and well, Bessie's like, of course, things... of course I do. I, I, have a, I have a backup right here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is where things go from vaguely interesting to sort of frustrating to profoundly tragic. Uh, so it turns <laughs> out that yours truly has a backup in the sense of a file I generated God knows how, because I don't know how I did it, uh, a month ago. Uh, that is an XML metadata description of what the website used to be. <clears throat> so, <laughs> which is the it's same thing as a backup in the same way as describing the car in your driveway would, would actually be something you could drive to work. 
it, it's not a backup <laughs> at all. It's more like a moment of nostalgia, remembering how nice the website used to be. So, you know, it's really funny now. We're laughing, but we were. <laughs> we were not, not laughing funny. then. It was not. No, funny. there was no laughter at all. There was there, were, there was no joy in Mudville. <laughs> not even a little bit. Uh, my, I mean, there's a sort of cascading series of realizations. The first realization: Oh my God, they deleted our whole account. It is 11 o'clock on Saturday night and I really don't want to be doing this right now. Then the realization that uh, my backup is a month old, which in and of itself was embarrassing because that's how I'm going to explain that to Toggle, that my you know, insistence that everybody maintain current backups has resulted in me not maintaining current backups. Right. Then seeing the like 15 kilobyte XML <laughs> descriptor file that was masquerading as a backup, which I still have no idea how I generated that goddamn thing. Uh, then it's tragedy because you realize at about two o'clock on Sunday morning that you have no backup really at all to speak of right. other than this uh, sort of wispy uh, uh, recollection of a site that used to exist. So uh, after uh, much frustration and an enormous amount of uh, really impressive work on behalf of the uh, tech support team at our hosting company, uh, it, it took a couple days, but they were, in fact, able to go back into their own archival uh, materials and pull out a routine uh, virtual machine snapshot of our entire instance, not just the website, but the, the, the whole application framework that supports it inside the little VM that we run it in, that was current up till the day of the accidental deletion. And it wasn't just an XML file, it was actually right. like a real backup. Which but I, I, I really you know. have to say, like, getting to that point was such a struggle. Like, okay, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. That was it like took, two plus days of, of, because initially some of the more junior folks were really hemming and hawing about whether a backup of the VM existed. And I was really confident that anybody running a hosting infrastructure of any size that is doing hosted platforms is going to be snapshotting those things routinely. Right. That's just so, it's so easy to do and so obviously something you need to have in case something like this happens so your customers don't go absolutely crazy if your website you know vanishes for some reason or other. Like someone deleting it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and so early on, I, I just, what, this was a holiday weekend. This was Memorial Day in the States, and that right. didn't help. Mm. And I kept telling the junior folks, look, just get in touch with somebody a little more senior. I know they have an image of this. And, and really, with whatever um, virtualization framework you guys are using, recovering a VM image from backup is a three-minute process. It, it really is nowadays just a click click a button or two lines in terminal and and you've reinstantiated it is the most one of the more spectacular side effects of virtualized uh, infrastructure the backups are so easy to maintain and to implement when things go wrong snapshotting and all that stuff and it really took two days to get to a senior enough level for somebody to go oh yeah sure yeah we keep backup images right here well hold on a second let me get it for you all right there it's go it, like it was two days worth of just running in circles to right. get to that level and that was not much fun in the meantime i had dumped my ephemeral tenuous conceptual metadata um, XML-based recollection of a website on Toggle and told him, uh, make, make a, a temporary website with this. So right. whenever <laughs> people come in the meantime, there's something at least other than just XML descriptors of what used to be there. Right. And uh, so Toggle spent a good chunk of his holiday weekend reconstructing a website that he'd already built because his <laughs> idiot co-host didn't have a current backup, knowing that that was going to get thrown out because eventually yeah. we were going to actually back up from a proper snapshot. <clears throat> it's not, this isn't that big a deal. I, I didn't mind doing it, but man, Fausti, you were so frustrated. I felt so bad. Uh, there were times when I was uh, not at my best, and <laughs> I did get repetitive with the, with the tech support staff. Every eight hours, of course, the staff would go off and new folks would come back on to shift. I don't have anybody on my shifts. It's just me. And I would, st it would start all over again. So dear oh, hosting right. customer, what can I help you with? Oh God, <laughs> I cannot oh, believe Jesus I have to, this is from ground zero go all the way again. And we just, it was like, you know, groundhog day over and over and over. And, and they were so apologetic and it got to the point where they would start into, 
we really appreciate your patience. And I would just say, stop, no, please don't say that anymore because that patience is just so thin now. And they were great. And they were, they were in fact patient uh, with me, even when I was a bit of a crybaby. And we did uh, within 48 hours, get the instance uh, recovered fully from a VM. Uh, there were some minor permissions mm -hmm. issues that we had to work through the next day, but by and large, uh, it was exactly what I had hoped would happen. Right. They pushed a button, it came back to where it was, and everything was fine. <clears throat> so it's back. Uh, the RSS feed is back. Oh, everything is back. So uh, technically, the RSS feed never actually went away. Um, uh, interesting well, true, technical but, fact. But it different. It different. It was different. It changed, uh, and only had. It didn't have a 2.5 okay. for some reason. Fair enough. There were maybe some holes in it. I'm proud of the fact that that RSS uh, feed is done via a DNS redirect. So even though we deleted our website, we didn't actually delete all of our <laughs> DNS files. <laughs> Knock on wood, our, our DNS zone files did not disappear. Uh, that will be probably next weekend's excitement. Right. Get ready. <clears throat> Uh, meanwhile, um, we have uh, burned uh, dozens of copies of backups of the website now yes. and uh, stashed them all over hell and back. So if and when the <laughs> website goes down, <laughs> yeah, we have them, uh, you know, under the, the cushions on the sofa. I think there's a USB drive with a backup of zoo.wtf. Yeah, uh, yeah it's encoded in like half a dozen different blockchains at this point out there somewhere. <laughs> so we will never again be where or where we don't have a backup of the website. Do apologize to everybody who was trying to visit the website over that holiday weekend and getting anything from a 404 to weird halfway complete versions of the website that nobody really understood why they were halfway complete. <laughs> that was all my fault, just to talk the bottom. So that uh, rests on my shoulders. I should have done better. I know I should have done better. And I just dropped the ball. So that's, that's one of those things where we make mistakes even though we know better. And I did, and I will make sure that particular mistake does not happen. All right. Well, let's jump into the mailbag because we've got a lot of good ones. First up, this one is from Dog Park Princess, and she has an important correction for episode three here. The princess writes, Hello! And I would like to begin by saying that I really enjoy the show. I don't typically listen to podcasts, but when I found out there was one about the zoo community, I went ahead and listened to all the episodes right in a row. I find the show both entertaining and thought-provoking and really enjoy the mix of satire as well as serious subject matter. It keeps things fresh and interesting. So first of all, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying it. The Fausti, in this outline, anytime well, there's double spaces, if you want to comment, you certainly can. I don't see double spaces. Oh, well, mine is double-spaced. I probably lost the um, super secret encoding of double spaces when I ran your uh, RTF through whatever filters exist on my local machine. And oh consequently, I had no idea that I was supposed to be interjecting thought provoking and useful commentary along the way. I will make sure to be doing that moving forward. I will impute double spaces and imagine that I have such commentary to provide, and I will do so forthwith. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to say, can. but holy no. shit, what am I going to say? Uh, show entertain, entertaining, serious subject matter. It keeps things refreshing and interesting. That all sounds like a really great podcast. I am surprised that it is uh, being used as a description for what we're doing, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> so um, that sounds wonderful. And maybe someday we'll actually meet that standard. That's what right? we're shooting for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. One of these yep. days one of these days. Uh, I would also like to make one minor correction about a statement made by Toggle in episode 3 Our Best Selves. After discussing the MIDI Naughty Canine Sheets, your show recommended using silicone lube. However, all of the toys such as the Bad Dragon Sheets and the Fetish Zone Sheets are all made from silicone themselves, and when you use silicone lube on a silicone toy, it actually causes a reaction which can, which can basically melt the toy in extreme cases, and even in minor cases it causes chemicals to leach from them. This is actually correct. Um, silicone toys, silicone lube, you don't combine them. Um, so you really have to be careful with your toys and the type of lube. But it's super important you don't use water-based lube. Uh, Water-based lube is not good for this sort of thing. Uh, and if you insist on using silicone-based, uh, what I always do with my toys, that I stick up my butt, I put a condom <laughs> on them. Too much information. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need to hear that, but you thank you for sharing. You put a condom on them, yeah. Yeah, you can okay, put a condom on them, and then you can use a condom-safe silicone lube. Uh, like, 
Um, gun oil is a good one. Uh, and those will protect your toys from being messed up. So that's one option. Yeah, you're... Your mention of you and your toys is just reminding me of who you're not, actually. And I think you will remember from earlier this evening as we were preparing the podcast. Mm -hmm. I just want to remind you that you are as far from a particular individual as you can really get. And that that image of you and your toys is just taking you even further away from who I really wish you were. So thank you for that. (laughs) What the fuck? Well, I mean, you could have you could have at least I don't know done something to make it seem just a little bit like maybe you were him and not you, and that would have made my life a lot better. And that's really what it's all about, really, at this point. So, but you did not do that, and I nope. suppose I'll just have to live with it. <clears throat> uh. I, I, so I, I have a really great story to share uh, that uh, follows from the um, r- references in the paragraph that you just read from this really neat email we received. Mm-hmm. However, this the story impinges on the privacy of a number of individuals. Right, yes. And as such, not only can I not tell the story, I cannot tell why I cannot tell the story, which leaves me to say that the story is really awesome. And uh, boy, it's too bad that nobody gets to share it probably forever. Because yeah. if you could, you would think it was really great too. So yeah, that's uh, no, no use at all really to anybody, except to say that um, there's often a lot more behind the scenes than what you see on the surface. And sometimes what is behind the scenes is actually really neat. And yeah. the world is not always a terrible place. So there you go. <laughs> Alright, uh, Princess continues, uh, I recommend an oil-based lubricant, which is still thicker and longer-lasting than water-based lubricants and will not melt the toys. Similarly, if to- using toys with a non-human partner, it is advisable to use a phthalate-free product such as Astroglide. Uh, I don't, I've never used oil-based lubricants. I don't really know anything about them, because I'm dumb. But uh, um, I'm really impressed that you knew how to pronounce phthalate, so you're way ahead of me. <laughs> I would have said patha patholati or <laughs> anyway. You're you're much more sophisticated in these areas than I am. Mostly, my concept of lubricant is making somebody really happy and excited, and then lubricant happens. So this is all way over my head. <clears throat> all right, so yeah, um, oil-based lubricants probably fine. I don't have a need to recommend myself, but uh, your local sex shop will know everything you need to know. Uh, if you were except ever they probably in- won't know much about. Uh, I was going to say that uh, your your local toy shop probably won't know about gel-based lubricants, but then again, only a select handful of Zooey folks probably will. <clears throat> <laughs> You're so silly. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, the princess continues, if you were ever interested in talking with a female zoo, I would be happy to be on your show. You may not know me, but I actually wrote the world's first encyclopedia on the subject of zoophilia, which is currently available for free online. When I heard your skit about the Cro-Magnons interbreeding with Neanderthals and the Denisovians, uh, it made me believe you may have read that portion as many people know about Neanderthals, but few know about Denisovian species by name. A uh, couple things. things. Uh, one, yes, we would like to talk to you as a female zoo, because female zoos are so underrepresented in, in any, like, like research or media about zoophiles. They just, they're, we know you're there, you're just not represented anywhere, so... And yeah. more broadly, having more women participating in the podcast and in general in the zoo community is something that is healthy on a hundred different levels. So oh, yeah. we're really glad to have this participation uh, from her and hopefully from others so that we are not a pure sausage factory. That is not our intent. <laughs> and we look forward to moving away from that in oh, the future. Heck yeah. heck yeah. So we would be super interested in having you on. So that'd be great. As far as the encyclopedia goes, uh, we looked online, we went to Google, uh, we found Wikipedia, uh, and Britannica. <laughs> Good job. Your Google foo is strong, my friend. You found Wikipedia. Where did you find it? Oh, first page. I, I, I'm taking notes. Yeah, how, did, how, did you, how do you get there? Oh, I typed in Encyclopedia of Zoophilia, and there it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, we don't know. We don't have a link to send you. Uh, we did get a. We did find a file version of it that uh, the princess ended up sending us. Um, we're not sure it's the best format for the file, so we may be providing it later on in a different format. So that's a thing. There's a there's a little bit of uh, file format mongling taking place mm-hmm. with it to make it uh, more friendly 
to those who are downloading it and a little less heavy with metadata descriptions of stuff that doesn't really need to be described. Also, I have a real hate on about XML right now, so I'm basically stripping everything XML out of my life. Oh. And, uh, and oh. that includes the encyclopedia, which had XML hiding in it, and it has to die. And once that's done, we'll probably have a link to post somewhere on the website or Twitter or something like that right. for folks who were interested in taking a read through. Yes. Now, uh, I, I hate to tell you this, Fausti, but you know an RSS feed is just an XML file, right? I did not need to hear that right now, um, because <laughs> that may mean that the RSS feed has to go, which <laughs> would be inconvenient, but may, perhaps necessary, given the evils of XML that I have now reminded myself of after decades of already knowing that. And you should probably just keep me away from the RSS feed for a couple weeks. How about that? Okay. <laughs> All right, I want to thank you so much, Princess. Uh, uh, you were fantastic, and we look forward to hearing from you again. We really do, and we appreciate the correction in particular. Yes. Anything we say that is uh, factually untrue, especially stuff that's factually untrue, it really is extraordinarily helpful for folks to reach out and tell us when we're wrong so that we can correct that. And that is something that makes everything better for everyone involved, and we are grateful every time that happens. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, next up. Here's one from the son of a shepherd and a husband of a mare. Uh, first of all, I would like to say wow! And a great big thank you for your podcast. I just discovered it today as a member of Zooville. Hey, uh, I never knew that such a thing could ever happen, and I'm overjoyed to know that there are others willing to broadcast to our community. <laughs> oh, right. Insert uh, relevant commentary here. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, thinking about the fact that doing podcasts is really... Uh, not as challenging as folks might think, even though in saying that, I recognize that having somebody working with you on the podcast who knows what they're doing is <laughs> an enormous help in that regard. Yeah. Uh, despite that fact, I do think that uh, the general concept of a podcast and, sh and sharing uh, community engagement and, and community perspectives via podcasting is something that is common all over the place. And it is surprising when folks assume that Zooey podcasts are unusual and that uh, there aren't so many out there as would otherwise be expected. And we do hope that changes because right. it's a neat thing to do. And I think a really healthy thing for the community and certainly yeah. not something that requires a huge level of technical talent or anything else in that regard to especially get up and running and get some experience off the bat right i will say it is uh, depending on how often you're doing it and what kind of content you're doing it can be a lot of work but like you know it, it's interesting I, I think it's interesting because he's like you know i never knew such a thing could happen is what he said and that is so so i remember this one time fausti you said to me that um there was a point where you were on a gag order. You weren't allowed to like post things online. Oh, all right. And um, Maloney was like, "Hey, why don't we do a video? That's not allowed." And you're like, "No, it's impossible. I can't do that." And then you took a step back and was like, "Wait, why can't I do that? You know, why am Why am I not allowing myself to do that?" Yeah, <laughs> you're laughing. It, but... uh, <laughs> right, I'm laughing because looking back at it, it was one of those obvious moments in hindsight. And obviously, it was not me that came up with the breakthrough thought here as true to form. It was somebody I know who is actually smart. And this would be Corrine Maloney, um, the author who wrote a certain book. And while we were sitting and talking about how difficult it was for her to interview me and publish a book, given that I had a federal gag order that covered not just me writing myself, but anybody quoting me in any print or electronic format would be in violation of this gag order, which was quite a um, mind Stupid bender. piece of bullshit, yeah. Yeah, you could say that too. There's a lot of different things you could say about the gag order. And we'll just leave Wait. it at, at uh, um, a, a weird constraint that we were struggling with. And sh she finally pulled a camera out of her bag, essentially, and said, why don't I just do an interview on video? And I was like, no, I can't do that. There's no way. This is impossible. My hair is not right. And I haven't done my nails. And, you know, they realized, wow, <laughs> I'm really coming. Literally, actually, that was my hair not right is one of the excuses I gave. Um, it, I had never done it before. And it seemed intimidating. And I have no idea the kind of the rules of the game for this whole video thing. And it, it just immediately was like, that's impossible. And it took like five minutes 
for Corrine Maloney to explain to me that it was entirely possible. All you have to do is press record and guess what? You have video. Uh, there's that thing one's brain does when one realizes a constraint has been in place that is purely internally generated. And right. um, sure enough, that's that very day we made a video. We just did a you know, maybe a 10, five, 10 minute interview where she asked me some questions about the gag order. And I answered. And when we finished and she turned the camera off, I remember looking at her and she looked at me and I was certainly thinking, wow, <laughs> that was really actually kind of easy in a sense and uh, really neat because it's a different kind of channel than printed word. It's it's complimentary. It adds something. It's not, it's, it's not a substitute, but it was a great hey. way to uh, put a face to all these words going back and forth. She posted that video on her blog that she maintained at the time before the uh, book was published. And it was transformative because people kept writing in and saying, it was really neat to, to see your face. And I was like, well, yeah, I have a face. <laughs> I mean, that's right. not a secret, right? But there's, it was different. There was a different kind of engagement, even though it was ad hoc and my hair was terrible and my <laughs> nails were not done. Uh, and I kind of stumbled and ummed and awed a lot. Despite, or maybe in part because of all that, there's a different kind of communication that comes when one has the opportunity to simply speak like a, you know, a, a primate, uh, like a right. human, to right. each other in an, in, a, in a verbal form. And doing this podcast has definitely reinforced that for me. And I certainly hope that others can take advantage of that as well, because it really is a neat tool to have. Right. So, in other words, like we have this internalized block that says, "No, we can't. There's you can't do voice." Your voice can't be anywhere. Uh, and it's interesting that it's so internalized we just assume it's impossible, but it's not. It's really easy. Right. There's, there's certainly workarounds. Like, I mean, my fake voice that I'm using, nobody will right. ever recognize who I am because <laughs> my voice is actually so much better than this voice. Um, there's, it, it, it's relatively easy, I would say, bordering on just absolutely straight up easy to deal with the voice related. I don't want somebody to recognize, you know, my voice for security reasons, which can be legitimate for a, a lot of folks in the community. Right. Uh, however, I realized uh, very early in thinking about the podcast that that really wasn't the constraint. The constraint was was more mental, internal, that somehow we don't have the luxury of speaking in our own voice in, in a right. more general uh, sort of Derrida style sense of speaking. And once mm -hmm. I realized that that wasn't something that anybody was enforcing on us, that that was something I was enforcing on myself, it became clear that this is one of those barriers that exists only because we recognize it as such and allow it to exist. Right. And once we started working mm -hmm. on a podcast, it was pretty straightforward to move forward and there weren't a lot of uh, roadblocks along the way that made the process particularly difficult, I don't think. Right, not really. Other than deleting the website and not right. having backups. That was a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not really a podcast issue. That's just a stupid technology administrator issue. And uh, the podcast itself, um, with a lot of contribution from Toggle doing amazingly good work behind the scenes. Thank you. Uh, comes together in a, in a smooth way and in a, in a way that is a, a product, an, an end product, that I think folks find useful and enjoyable and hopefully is helping others in the community to recognize that they have a voice too. And that that voice and sharing that voice is a critical component of being a healthy community and being healthy within our community. Right. Uh, our husband of America continues. Uh, I too am a zoo. <laughs> You don't say. Who, who could have uh, seen that coming? I know, right? Uh, I had a wonderful <laughs> relationship with a Shetland mare for almost 20 years. The love she shared with me was beyond measure. That's beautiful. It is. It's uh, bittersweet because uh, it sounds like that was a relationship that was wonderful and then ran its biological course. And uh, I know how much it hurts to let go of something like that. Right. But uh, I'm glad that you had that experience because... I mean, that, that, is, that, that, that is it. That's it. That's what it is. That's what it's about. Yep. Uh, I found episode three to be a pleasurable mix of information and humor. Thank you. My only <laughs> problem has been technical. I have trouble listening to the complete podcast without having to reload the page over and over. The trouble may be on my end. I'm working to remedy it. Until then, please, please, please keep podcasting. 
Right, so okay. We'll, yeah, we'll keep podcasting. We promise. At least, at least yeah. that part we can do. Uh, yeah. As far as the uh, the troubles, it probably was because episode three was originally uploaded on zoo.wtf, and for some reason we have this weird bottleneck where at some point it just stops loading the file. Uh, that should be fixed now because we're hosting it from another site. Um, so if anyone else is still having trouble loading the loading the whole thing, let us know. Uh, otherwise, it should be good. Yeah, but it, yes. if you if you are loading an episode of the podcast, especially one of the longer episodes that goes over about 120 megabytes and it cuts off, it is not a problem on your end. That is an issue. That is a known thing. I do believe that we have put that bug to bed at this point, though it does pop up now and again when I'm stupid and forget the solution that I came up with the last episode. So um, if you see that happen, drop us a note so that we can uh, stamp that out. If you are extraordinarily bored and have nothing else to do in your life, you could also email for a technical explanation of why that is taking place. And I am happy to share that with you. It will put you to sleep because it really is that boring. (laughs) And the the short answer is we just have to post the podcast files that are bigger than 120 megabytes someplace else so that bad things don't happen. And that's that. Yep. That's it. Uh, So thank you very much, husband of a mayor. We loved hearing from you and we're so glad that you had that experience uh, and that you enjoy the podcast. I agree. Those notes, especially from folks who obviously have been in the community uh, for a while and shared uh, the kinds of relationships that some of us have been so fortunate to have in our lives those uh, comments and suggestions and encouragement emails are really neat to receive because I think that's the type of impact we're hoping to have and it makes us feel like we're not always missing and some of what we are doing is contributing value and that's a neat feeling and I'm really grateful (laughs) when folks take the time to share that all right, we have a very long and excellent email from Desert Rat, a kindred spirit, no doubt. Uh, this is one of the older ones we haven't gotten the chance to get to yet, and so we're going to give you the highlights. Uh, Desert Rat writes, Enjoying the podcast so far? The commercials are great and would be something I would expect to see in here on TV if the radio, uh, TV or the radio if the world ever accepted us, zoos, instead of persecuting us. So yeah, that's that's kind of the format. Uh, I we have we have fun putting together all of the pieces of these podcasts. Uh, yeah. Even when things crash and don't work, there's usually a, somewhere along the line laughter. However, the advertisements <laughs> and the sponsors, I would say, at least for me personally, probably the most fun of all of what we yeah. do. And the end result is uh, the most subversive of everything we're doing. And it's always neat to see other people appreciate that because yeah, that I really love is part doing of the commercials. this. I love doing those. Great. Yeah, they are so much fun. And uh, <laughs> we have a lot more queued up to come. I, I will say that when we have team meetings and brainstorm on it, we keep lists of notes mm-hmm. of the future of uh, commercials and advertisements and sponsors. And we have some great ones coming down the pipeline. It, it is uh, something that seems to get better with time. Yeah, uh, he continues. Uh, I, too, am happy that Beast Form is gone. I wear banned from Beast Form as a badge of honor, as do many others. That was a place that was just filled with those who only cared if they could swipe users' materials to make a buck. Though when I first learned that other zoos existed, joining the internet closely at around the time of the Mr. Hands incident, I was pointed to Beast Form. While it was my first forum, I never felt much companionship there, or that I even fit in there. Too many were there just looking for an animal to fuck. And again, that's... I I mean, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, What's interesting to me is how quickly, and in a good sense, Beast Forum is fading from the dialogue. Uh, Two months ago, you know, Beast Forum going down and the post-Beast Forum questions were something that seemed front and center in a way that was uh, hard to imagine that it wouldn't be true. And yet a couple months later, Beast Forum, yeah, we all kind of remember that nasty thing that happened and now it's gone and life goes on. And I really feel great about that. It's nice to see that there is a future that doesn't include that and that that future is more than happy to take place. And it uh, took place a lot quicker than maybe some of us would have uh, suspected or or feared um, along the way. Like I said on episode one, 
Fuck him. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the Mr. Hands incident, of course, uh, there was a, tr- a certain troll, an actual human troll, last fall on Twitter who was convinced that I, that I personally am Mr. Hands, which how? is odd how? on a whole bunch of different levels. Right. No offense what? intended. Are you like a zombie? Right, and I'm I'm not laughing at you know anybody who has died in this, and, right, and right. I mean no disrespect in laughing in that regards. I, I will say that one has to laugh at the absurdity of it because uh, this individual was trying to get me to go on a, a, a radio show type deal, um, convinced I was Mr. Hands to ask me questions about the incident, and mm-hmm. I had offered to do that. And uh, I said that I was going to bring along a number of other historical figures. I think Frederick Nietzsche was one of them who was going to come <laughs> with me and be on the on the show. And he was a little baffled by the other you know people that I was going to bring, but didn't really recognize any of their names and was like, okay, cool. You can bring your friends along if you want. <laughs> and at that point it was like, wow, this is, this yeah, we're really it. deep in the bucket here. Holy yeah. Shit. So anyway, I am actually not Mr. <laughs> Hands because uh, technically, you know, in, in, in an, a, a very precise sense, he is deceased. And at this point, as far as I know, I am not. And that does not mean yet. that we are distinct individuals. Right. Not yet. Right. So no, I, I, uh, uh, rumors to the contrary. No, I am not he. And, um, I uh, can confirm that the story around what happened there is uh, perhaps more complicated than a lot of folks see on the surface. And maybe sometime in the future on the podcast, if there's interest, we can maybe do a little bit of unpacking of that historical reality. But in the meantime, we can all be happy that Beast Forum is gone. Because goodbye and good riddance. Fuck them. Fuck them. Deseret continues, I was hoping that Zooville would be better, but so far it's more the same as Beast Worm, though at this point it's Beast Worm's annoying younger brother. Hopefully it will grow into its own and not just a clone. It was surprising that out of so many great forms that have come and gone that Beast Worm would have stood the longest. So I wanted to keep this here because, again, this is an older email. And it's true that we got a lot of people coming in and like, you know, emailing us about Zooville. And so that's why we wanted to take the time during our uh, interview with ZT on the last episode to really go in on this Beast Forum issue. Like, how is Zooville setting itself apart from Beast Forum? So I hope that if you're listening now, you have listened to that episode and and can make your choice that way. That's true. This uh, note from Desert Rat did come in, I believe, several months ago. Mm -hmm. And we just haven't had the opportunity to take time in the podcast to go through it. It, I think, reflects the concern that so many of us had, uh, particularly early on, that Zooville was, in fact, going to be nothing more than a Beast Forum clone. I, I think that we have seen progress in the intervening months at least that gives many of us hope that that is not what is happening. And uh, it is quite possible that we will see something vastly healthier and more constructive coming with Zooville than anybody ever saw with Beast Form. Right. So uh, that's our hope. I just want to leave that in there because, you know, it, uh, taking it out seems disingenuous since the last thing we did was kind of like talk about Zooville on the podcast. So Agreed. Alright, so Desert Rat continues, Though Beast Forum was my first forum, I quickly abandoned it for Elite Zoo. It was at Elite Zoo that I found others like me and my first long-term friends. Easy was filled with many who truly loved animals, not just looking for a quick fuck. It was in this forum that I would come to accept myself for the zoo that I am today. Sure, I knew that people had sex with animals before I found the internet. I am a farm kid, after all. But I didn't know any who loved animals as humans love their significant other. I can say that I have to be one of the few out there that was not the sex aspect of this life that messed me up, but the fact that I could love an animal like that. The friends that I made in Easy helped me come to terms with myself and show me that I was not alone. You know, you say that you'd be the only one, but even that emotional connection is extremely taboo. Uh, Treating animals as equals is really the great crime of zoophiles. Uh, The sex is just the most egregious display of that equality. I would say. I would absolutely agree with that summary. And I think those three sentences right there compress a huge amount of wisdom into a small space. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) There are a few forums left now. Few worth the time and effort to join and put the time in. Sadly, most are not very active, but this could be due to the fact that many of us have moved on to Telegram or Twitter. Even though such places can offer camaraderie and friendships, 
They are not without their own dangers, as we all saw with the hero incident. Oh, boy. So this was actually in response to episode two, uh, where we talked about hero and all of that stuff. So I, I think it's interesting to look back over the last 20 or so years and the role that zoo forums have played in the community. There have been phases and particular forums like Easy that for particular periods of time had an extraordinarily important and often very positive impact on the community. Unfortunately, it seems almost structurally inherent in these forums that there would be a time when that phase of healthy engagement would come into decline and uh, various problems would arise. Eventually, a new forum would come to replace the old forum. I don't know that that dynamic really continues now. As Toggle says, a lot of that energy and engagement has moved on to other platforms. I would say overall, that's nothing but uh, can't be anything but healthy. I think the diversity of platforms nowadays provides an openness of communication that is not constrained and controlled by administrators right. or individual administrators that really does uh, uh, provide um, a much more positive and an open-ended uh, uh, venue for a much more diverse group of community members to participate than the old forum model. Uh, yes, yes, I can understand that. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said for forums, obviously. Yes. Um, I think forums are good because they allow you to really easily find like, oh, I'm in a forum of people that have this thing in common with me, whereas on Twitter it's like, oh god, I'm being thrown to the <laughs> sharks here, I don't know who anyone is, I can't trust anyone, I mean at this point sometimes it's just like, I can't True. trust anyone. True. And so forums still have that kind of safe safe place feeling, like the people Oof. that are investing in time and posting there, it's a, it's a different sort of investment than Twitter. I, I'll, I'll say personally that there was a time period back in the 2003, 2004 uh, era when a number of zoo forums existed but were run as secret invite only. I used to refer to them pejoratively as honeycomb hideouts. Mm. These little groups of self-appointed elites, which that word eventually pops back up, uh, would create uh, these closed forums that only they had access to and claim that they were the core of the zoo community. That got weird and ugly and dangerous in its own way. Yes, they were all zoos. However, the energies and politics of what happened in those closed zoo only, exclusively zoo environments could turn just as rancid as some of what happens on Twitter. So I think it's always a balance between the two, eh? Right, that makes sense. All right, so Desert Rat continues. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, zoo sadists are the scum of the earth, and I would love to shoot them in the head given the chance. Okay, wow, buddy. He's speaking metaphorically, obviously. Yeah, obviously metaphorically. We're not actually going to shoot anyone. Um, I have worked with more than one person who has helped neutralize these sick, twisted fucks. This was all done quietly, and more often than not, most people never knew. Unlike the public stunt on Twitter that did no good and just drove more good zoos into hiding, the so-called evidence against Kiro and the others was suspect, those who did the leaks vanished before they could be questioned, and it set not only the zoo community at each other's throats, but also the furry community as well. That sums it up pretty well. Actually. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly uh, that what happened. That is exactly what happened. Yeah, that would, I mean, and now that we all know so much more, uh, more than we ever wanted to know about how that happened last year and right. who did what and why they did it to a degree, that really does just summarize exactly the catastrophe of, of last fall's incident on Twitter. And uh, it can certainly confirm uh, what Desert Rat is saying about the historical uh, tradition in the community of, uh, let's see how he phrases this, uh, more than one person who has helped neutralize these sick, twisted fucks. This was all done quietly, and more often than not, most people never knew. That is exactly right, and that has always been the model that I understood and participated in. And I think that we're now looking for an integration of that model with a more public um, uh, platform-based model. What happened last fall was exactly the opposite. Uh, I seem to borrow the worst of all worlds and really did nothing to uh, make good things happen and caused a lot of right. damage to a lot of people that probably shouldn't have had any damage whatsoever. Right. And it also caused a lot of damage to the zoo community on Twitter. I will tell you that right now. 
Like that's true. It like just that destroyed it. That, the, that was real. I, I would say in the same yeah. way, like you talk about how uh, I yeah. can't get his name, Randy Pepe. He would he like yeah. kind of just like changed the whole territory when he came and started doing his stuff. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, and again, this is why I left Twitter earlier this year. Um, like the whole terrain changed, and like it doesn't feel like the same place anymore. There was a poisoning of the well that occurred in that September Zeusadism, so-called Zeusadism publication that happened on Twitter. And the the intentional and clearly articulated effort to link zoos and zoo families and the zoo community to torture and sadism was uh, successful and was something that was unquestionably looking back on the evidence from what we know now, uh, a, par- a big part of the initial effort itself. Right. And that linking of us with torture was and continues to be so damaging and destructive and did drive a lot of zoos away from Twitter entirely. It drove some furries, some well-meaning furries, into anti-zoo positions because of their understanding based on what was published and repeated and often lied about uh, last fall that zoos were torturers, period. They were one and the same. There weren't two groups. There's just one group, two different names. And there are some well-meaning people who simply saw enough of that repeated enough times and just assumed that that's true. And that is so toxic and destructive Mm -hmm. and really did uh, make, I think, a qualitative shift in some of the dialogue that we see, especially on Zoo Twitter, and certainly not for the better. No, not at all. Uh, So this next part kind of talks a little bit about that. So Desert Rat continues, I was one of the people who looked into the evidence, logs, videos, pictures, nothing in it linked, directly linked Kiro to Zeusadism. Face and body pics and video were quickly proven not to be him for those of us who logically looked at the evidence. There is still not enough eye bleach in the world to wash away the horrors of video and pictures we had to look at. Yet by then the mob mentality of if you defend or support him, it makes you one of them had already taken hold. In the end, the evidence did not prove that Kiro was such a sick freak, and while he was not the only one named in the leak, he was the one most focused on by it. Some wrongly lumped the so-called evidence against others as stuff that Kiro did. Again, when it was pointed out this was incorrect, the mob rose in outrage and drowned out logic and reason. Kiro was also the only one, to my knowledge, to defend himself against the accusations. That pissed off the mob. Or how dare he defend himself against the lies that the mob had already found him against, guilty of? Uh, yeah, that's basically wow. it's basically what happened. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that again really kind of hits the nail on the head. I, I suppose all I can add to that is the profound disgust, really veering into rage for me personally, that this misdirection of focus and attention on Kiro which was intentional, we now know, by individuals involved in that leak, many of whom have told us point blank that that was what their intention was, it it absolutely shielded from visibility and from accountability individuals doing horrific, disgusting, indescribable things to animals. And Mm. the effort and attention and, and noise that all got focused on Kiro, who was not one of those people. We all now know, uh, though he did hang around some of them, he did not participate in those activities, um, directly helped those torturing, disgusting, useless pieces of shit to continue doing what they were doing. So everybody that got sucked into this Kiro thing, directly or indirectly, intentionally or not, was helping to cover for people who do actually torture animals to death for fun. And that makes me so angry to this day that I really will never be at peace with the consequence. Uh, of course, the consequence to Kiro, terrible, and being falsely labeled like that, terrible. I'm taking nothing away from that for what he's been through. However, also- I also look at the damage to the victims in those videos Jesus that some Christ. of us have had to watch. I do not. And I do not. We know. Oh, I was just saying. I don't. I don't. 
I'm so sorry for anyone who had to actually sit down and watch those because, man, it's it's a it's rough. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry that we watch those and know that our inability to bring those people to task last fall means that more of the actions that are depicted in those uh, videos continued over the winter. That's right, that's exactly. what I'm sorry for. Yeah, yeah. Because that's real, and and if if and the victims in those videos who suffered through the horrors that are captured in those videos there were more victims and more horrors that that were suffered directly because of this stupid political bullshit that got pointed at Kiro by people who knew there were real torturers torturing dogs to death going on behind the scenes and for whatever reasons they have decided that political games with Kiro on YouTube were more important than that and that allowed those torturers to continue doing what they were doing for more than six months longer than should have happened and that will always enrage me and I do not believe that is forgivable and I will always look at the Kiro incident as a classic example of stupid human politics getting in the way of something that actually matters and actual abuse that needed to be stopped immediately and wasn't because we got spun up in dumb arguments over stupid shit on Twitter that doesn't really matter and that is something that I will never be okay with. Right. I agree. Deseret ends here. Uh, Anyway, keep doing what you're doing and maybe, just maybe, it can help someone. Maybe we can change minds that we zoos are not evil, mentally ill people who need to be killed. Here's to hope. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Here is to hope. Here is to hope. But uh, before that, it's just funny because it's like, it doesn't sound very hopeful at all. (laughs) (laughs) true Uh, hope that is built on a foundation of objective uh, awareness of how tough things can be I think that Desert Rat um, opens the door to an important critical component of being a community that is respected and acknowledged as a healthy part of the human spectrum right and that is for us to behave as a healthy and respected part of the human spectrum. <laughs> if you want people to think that you're healthy and do good things and participate in good ways in the world around you, do good things and participate in good ways in the world around you. I mean, that seems self-evident. And yet it is useful to remind ourselves that the core component of convincing somebody that we are good is for us to be good. Right. And that the uh, acknowledgement internally that we are good and that often in our own family lives we are unambiguously good is, of course, a big part of that foundation. Uh, doing a larger good, sometimes also a more visible good, can only help to integrate our community more broadly and doing good work will always be a good choice and will make the world a better place along the way. It's self-evident that doing that is an important part of having the community itself achieve a more healthy integration with the rest of human society. Right. I agree. All right. We have one more email that I just got permission to read on air. So big thank you to Barely Tame for this email. Uh, Barely writes, Hey, just wanted to say I love the podcast and spying out about it a few days ago. Ever since I was young, I knew I was different and apparently I was a zoo. Sometimes I get depressed knowing that I was different from everybody else. Do any of you feel the same? You know, (laughs) there was a time when I was definitely depressed and ashamed about my sexuality. Interestingly, I never had issues with consent because that paradigm did not exist when I was growing up. Like, no one ever questioned whether or not a dog could consent back then. Uh, My struggle was entirely religious. And I'd kind of, like, bargain with God a lot, like, like, you know, look, if you if you do this thing for me, I'll stop fooling around with the dog, but <laughs> with things like this, you know, it doesn't really work that way. So at some point, a bit after I went to college, I realized that I needed to come to terms with my sexuality. And, and that wasn't always easy, because you realize that, holy shit, I have to be careful with who I share this part of myself with. And, and you hear your friends or, or people you respect... Talk about your sexuality like like your shit without even realizing that one of their friends could be a zoophile or never even considering that maybe someone in the room could be affected by that stuff. But I also remember that sort of thing happening when I was younger uh, about gay people. 
So I remember people talking mm. about being gay like it was disgusting, and I, I was sitting there, gay as can be, uh, unable to say anything because I, I was ashamed. <laughs> I, I could confirm that, instance. in fact, Toggle is, Toggle is, in fact, gay as a tree full of parrots. That, that is true. <laughs> a tree full of parrots. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think... The key to overcoming that is, is really is community. You really need to know that you're not alone and that you're not broken, that you're not an abomination, and you need people to be there to support you in that before you can internalize it. And barely, I hope there will come a time in your life where you realize I'm different and that's not only okay, it's important. The, it's to be celebrated. Yeah, the world really does need people like us. Because we have a different perspective and empathy when it comes to human sexuality and animal welfare. We look at animals and we see something more than food or livestock or what? Lower beings. We see an independent and autonomous creature that's attractive and alive. We, we see so much more than the world at large. We see their importance and their value and their worth. And we bond with them on equal footing. And we need that perspective in a world that's so anti-animal autonomy. Hmm. So anyway, the point is, so yeah, there there are times where I wish it were easier. And, you know, I just like human females like guys are supposed to do. And I, I didn't have to think about hard questions or fight for my own right to exist. But having to do those things have shaped the person I am. And I, I'm really proud of the person I've become. Our hardships define the person we become. And they give us the emotional tools that we need to relate to other people going through unique struggles of identity and persecution. So, hmm. you're different. And that's not only okay, it's important. Wow. I'm not sure I have anything constructive to add to that. <laughs> I think that is a, a, an extraordinarily one-point and appropriate response to oh, thank the you. concerns brought up in that email. I, I feel... Uh, an ancient gray muzzle in that I also look back at my coming of age there's a book that has a lot of these details in it so I will spare listeners mm -hmm. the, uh, the details given that they are available uh, in, in print form however in that era as Toggle says gay folks were treated so horribly exactly th the way somebody who was Zooey would be categorized. I, I didn't in, in in the place and time I grew up, those would be the same bucket fundamentally. Right. And I looked around at my gay friends and saw them struggling with their identity and their sexuality and the degree that society hated them for no legitimate reason whatsoever. None. Just none. Just complete total bullshit. And I looked at myself and I looked at my partners and the amazing creatures that were part of my physical coming of age in those years and thought, yeah, we're kind of walking the same road in that we have to be careful because the world at large seems to hate some people about their sexuality for completely arbitrary, totally absurd reasons. And that's just one of those things. And in a sense, that was a healthy environment to grow up in because it was never coded in this new era false patina of oh we're trying to respect quote respect the animals by hating zoos also we're going to castrate them and do other terrible things to them along the way right. which is a little odd to square with respecting them and hating zoos and yet i think this current toxic re-imaging of zoo hatred that folks nowadays are growing up with has to be very difficult mm. to to come of age facing. I did not come of age in that era. Long was an adult by the time that new branding of zoo hatred was floated and picked up and, and taken as a given. And uh, I, I know that must be challenging. The flip side is I know that the community and the younger folks coming of age in the community will find healthy, constructive, successful ways to overcome those challenges because we always have. And that has right. been what has kept zoos as a part of human society for thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Barely. Like, we really appreciate you reaching out. Uh, and we hope that, you know, 
what we have to say is is helpful. Uh, there are a couple of other emails we'd love to share with you, but they are marked as private. Like and like we said, we always honor your requests with regards to privacy when you write in. So keep them coming. The private emails are neat, and even though we don't have the opportunities to specifically share and quote from them in the podcasts. I think Toggle would agree that the private emails are always reflecting indirectly in our thinking and in the topics that we're covering. And we are grateful for those emails just as much as we are for the ones that we're able to read publicly. Yeah, I would agree. All right. So that's all our emails, Fausti. What's next on the docket? One thing we've talked about doing in the podcast since before the first episode was finding a way to honor the loved ones in our lives that so many of us have lost the lifespan that we have and the lifespan of our partners is a reality that hits those of us who have been around a while in the most profound possible ways. Mm-hmm. My idea, and I think Toggle's uh, sharing that idea, our idea here at the podcast is to accept eulogies from listeners for loved ones who are no longer with us. And if possible, eulogies that we're able to read on the air and share on the podcast. If you have a partner you have lost and you have words to share about them that you feel comfortable sharing in whatever constraints of detail you can or cannot include in the eulogy, uh, please send them to us. Use the form on the website or any of our email addresses that are available We would really love to share some of those thoughts with listeners. I know that I myself have a number of such eulogies, Mm. often pages in length, uh, saved off on my own hard drives that I really look at for the pain that comes from those memories, but also the beauty that comes from those memories. Our animal companions are such a significant part of our lives as zoos, more so than anybody else they are. The simple truth is that It is often the case that their lives are shared with us from beginning to end, and yet our lives as longer-lived humans go on without them. The process of learning how to live with those losses in a healthy way and learning how to prevent those losses from eating us up from the inside out, I think is critical to our health as individuals Mm -hmm. and as our community. Uh, we, We really do want to find ways to honor our partners, our lost partners, and honor the ways they've enriched our lives and all the things we've learned from them. So if you have a eulogy to share and you're comfortable with that being shared on the podcast, please do send it along. We would like to include those in future episodes and we will see how that evolves and what comes of that as we go. I think that we may find new ways and new opportunities to celebrate those lost loved ones. And I believe that the start of that is to begin with our eulogies and to see what comes from there. Yeah. Uh, So, like you said, if you guys have any eulogies, go to zoo.wtf and fill out the form and just put the subject eulogy up at the top and we'll know what's going on. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to say, Fausti? I think that's more than I have said lots of things. So my my saying has been uh, noteworthy in this episode and probably... No, no shortage well, of things what, having is, been said, right? This is what happens when we go off book. We don't have a fucking script. We just talk and talk it's also and talk. A, I, it is a podcast. <laughs> I mean, there is. <laughs> it's not entirely inappropriate, given that it is a cast of pods in the sense of human beings using human language to discuss human topics. So I don't think we're too far out of pocket on that. But uh, no, I think this yes, is- we will. We will continue from here to our full moon episode which, uh, as many listeners have noted, seems to have evolved to where our full moon episodes are a bit more formal and structured and include more of the individual subcomponents that are characteristic of what has become the Zoo Than Their podcast and that our off full moon, new moon episodes are a bit more freeform and experimental and we are allowing that to evolve and I think that it has been a neat opportunity so far to try things that we really wouldn't put in the main podcast 
and keep that uh, creative energy coming in, uh, particularly that creative energy that's coming in from email and other suggestions from the community. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I've had fun tonight, so this was a lot of fun, Fausti. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just sitting around bullshitting can be fun. <laughs> uh, hopefully it is enjoyable to the listeners as well. I think that there's bits and pieces in there that will be useful, and I believe that we will hear interesting feedback from you know listeners on the on the format the new moon format maybe some will like it some won't like it you know maybe others will much more like the structured full moon i don't know i I think we'll just kind of play it by ear and see what happens eh? let us know what you think go ahead fausty take us out well thanks again friends for sharing your time with us here at zero than now you can subscribe to the podcast via our rss feed just point your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf and off you go. It's not XML, it's RSS. <laughs> Our podcast website is, yep, zoo.wtf. And it's even got current backups now, just <laughs> so you know. Twitter account, at Zooier Than Thou. And you can follow Zooey's naughty advice directly on Twitter, at AskZooey. A reminder that we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website, zoo.wtf. You can ask us about the weather in Pennsylvania. That's freaking fasty out right now. <laughs> uh, ask Zooey about animal Kama Sutra positions, or tell us our podcast sucks and that you can do better. <laughs> you can also contact co-host Fausty through his website, Fausty.org, or you can pass a handwritten note to that one homeroom teacher, and he's sure to get it eventually. <laughs> but, uh, Zooey the Now isn't trademarked, and you can share it with anyone you want, even your tax accountant. All non-humans who help to make this podcast happen definitively have the consent of their human partners, and whatever anybody else says, they do believe that humans can consent. Stallions have erotic dreams almost every night. Don't believe it? Ask a stallion. Just don't be surprised when things get steamy. (laughs) Be nice to each other. It's the sexiest, zooiest thing you can do. As Charles Kingsley forever reminds us, it is only the great-hearted who can be true friends. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time when you feel like howling at the moon.